You're listening to Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. I'm your host, Elizabeth. My parents' idea of a sex talk was telling me, just don't. And while communication clearly wasn't our family strength, I forged for the truth anyway. Over 10 years of therapy combined with sexual and emotional exploration have led me here, to this podcast. This is Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. Hey guys, welcome to my first official episode of Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. So let's start talking dirty. You know what I'm thinking, right? Sexually transmitted infections, or STIs. That's definitely what you thought I was going to say, right? In a time when we are so overwhelmed with the thought of COVID-19, quarantine, and keeping ourselves and our loved ones safe, it seems a little trivial to be thinking about anything else. But these other illnesses still exist. In America, it is so taboo to talk about sexual health outside of the confines of the awkwardly yearly classroom gathering of girls and boys in what we call sex ed. This lack of conversation, though, around sexual health has a detriment to not only our mental health, but our overall health. Personally, I did not even learn about in-depth sexual anatomy until college when I took Psych of Sex. I had never even been shown how to use a condom. My parents had pulled me from sexual education class every year, as though my body was something that I needed protection from. Growing up, the knowledge I had about sex came secondhand from one of my big sisters, my male friends slinging derogatory jokes at each other, or my research done late after school nervously peeking at the door to make sure my parents didn't walk in as the dial-up cranked along every search page every 30 minutes. God forbid I'd have to exit out and start again. Now, you might have learned about this in school, but if you went to school in the United States, probably not. The most common STI in the United States is HPV, or the human papillomavirus. Being diagnosed with HPV here in the U.S. is generally no big deal. Even the cancer-causing strains of HPV, the outlook is positive, and there are high incidents of cases self-resolving. It's estimated that over 80% of sexually active people in the U.S. have had some form of HPV in their life. Thankfully, many of these strains will show zero symptoms, but fortunately will most likely resolve without the person ever knowing they even had it. When I was 19, I was diagnosed with strain 16 of HPV, and I was one of the more unlucky cases. Thankfully, I was routinely checked, and I was made aware that the risk of cancer was very low. For my guest, Kristen Van Nest, she was unfortunate to be diagnosed while in China, and the situation was much less reassuring than my own experience. So he did the test, and then he, he was like, you have HPV, you might have the cancer one. And if you have the cancer one, you're going to die of cancer. Kristen had been living in Shanghai, China, when her new job sent her to the hospital for a health screening. You go into different rooms, and they test you for different things, and then you have a little clipboard where they write your score. So after I did the health check, um, my test results came back and they said that uh, my vagina's clean level was level two. It's in Chinese, so like my coworker, both of us have clean level two vaginas. So we're like, okay, like why didn't we make the level one cut for cleanliness? <laughs> then we both schedule an appointment to go to the hospital to go to see the gyno to see what's up. We arrive and uh, you take a little ticket number, like when you're at a deli and you're waiting for it, you take the little ticket number. And we go upstairs to the gyno area 
and it says that there's 700 people in line in front of me. Whoa. So if you think about it, I mean, Shanghai is a city of 24 million people. New York with the outer boroughs is a city of 20 million. So it's larger than New York. And, you know, they have public health care, which we don't have. Um, when Mao was in power, he promised that everyone would have health care. And so what they did is they started training doctors who would travel all over China and treat people in rural areas and everything like that. So part of, you know, part of when people say, oh, the one child policy, how can a country do that? When I spoke to a lot of my Chinese friends, they were like, the government lets us only have one child because the government literally cannot have more than that. It's, they, they can't provide healthcare for everyone. Sure. Yeah. So I find it interesting when I watch on, you know, Western media, oh, how dare, you know, they take away the right to have children. But when I speak to Chinese people, the perspective is the government's trying to help us because the government cannot provide what is needed for us to have more kids. So, I mean, neither one is right. It's just that there's different views of why that policy is there. And seeing 700 people in line in front of me when I go to the doctor on an everyday, but you know, a regular doctor day, this is not coronavirus. The incidence rate of HPV in China, a developing nation, is much lower than that in the Western world. We could argue that the actual reporting is off due to the low rates of testing in more rural areas of the country. However, when China was recently faced with a surging number of coronavirus cases, the nation's response was swift and strict. No one in, no one out. Anyone with a fever was forcibly removed from their home and placed in quarantine. Protect the masses, at all costs. Because of this, they've seen a dramatic decrease in cases. If a developing country can gain control of a rapidly spreading virus, what does that say about America's inability to protect its women from a preventative virus that causes cervical cancer? If you look at using masks, for example, in Asia, if you're sick, you wear a mask as a courtesy to other people around you. And when we as Americans see someone in the mask, we're like, that's weird. Why are they wearing that? They're wearing it as a courtesy for us Mm -hmm. to keep us from getting sick. And if you look at cities that are using masks right now in Asia, Mm -hmm. they're dramatically recovering faster. And that's why in LA right now, if you go outside, you're required to wear a mask. And that's because, I mean, really it's like being a good neighbor. But in our culture, we don't see it that way. And we don't like the lack of freedom of being told, if you wear a mask out, if you don't wear your mask outside, you're going to be fine. But that's the government's way of being like, hey, we're trying to take care of you and we have to do this. So luckily, they let us kind of cut the line because they only had one doctor who spoke English. So they were like, okay, you you foreigners, like come in, (laughs) talk to him. And later, I went to the US after all of this. Mm-hmm. And the doctor told me, he was like, we don't even test for HPV because all women your age would have it. Wow. So, and he was like, if you're in your 50s, it can kill you. Like, you can, it's very likely you'll get cancer. But if you're in your 20s, it's very low probability. So it's very similar to the coronavirus where if you're older, it's much more dangerous than if you're younger. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this fear of being so confused of having something where people tell you you can die and yet also statistically you're not really sure if that's true which i think a lot of people are going through right now as they get the coronavirus it's like 
and they're being told not to go to the hospital. But if you have a disease that you know is killing people, you know, it's very hard to like not let fear take over and want to go do what you normally do, which is go to the hospital. As I mentioned before, most American doctors use conservative methods of treating HPV, but there are times when other methods are necessary. More invasive diagnoses and treatments for HPV include biopsies, something called LEAP procedure, which uses a metal loop to remove damaged cells, and cryosurgery to freeze warts in affected areas. So then they were like, you need to come back for the biopsy. So I come back to get the biopsy, and what this is is cutting little pieces of my cervix off to confirm if it's the cancerous strain, because they think it is, but they're not sure. So I go back, you know, wait again, and then the woman does it, and there's a cockroach, like, climbing up the wall behind her while she's inside me doing everything, which is, it was, yeah. I mean, it's a developing country. It's a developing country. So it's just like, okay. And then afterwards, she gives me... You are going to judge my vagina's cleanliness when you've got cockroaches climbing on the wall. (laughs) Like, let's have a talk here. Yeah. And then... um she gives me the two little jars with my cervix in it. What? And she's like, you have to pay downstairs. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so there, they won't test it until you've paid. So you get the surgery, you get the the biopsy, you go downstairs, you pay. So I I have my little cervix pieces in little glass jars. And then I walk past hundreds of people because it's a huge Chinese hospital, go downstairs, pay, um, for this for them to test them and then go back upstairs and give them my little jars yeah in america if you requested to to have it they would be like absolutely not oh yeah i don't think you're legally allowed to give something that you've removed then i come back for the test results and they tell me that i have the cancerous strain and that there's a 99.9 percent chance that i will die of cancer like they're like you're full out gonna die we need to use lasers and, and we're going to laser your cervix to get, remove the HPV from your cervix. And so at that point I was going home a couple weeks later to the U S. Um, and so I was like, I was like, you know, I'm going to get a second opinion from a U.S. doctor because this doesn't seem right. I mean, I got all the shots when I was a kid yeah. to not get the cancerous HPV, but there are for hundreds of strains of HPV. So maybe I'm getting a version that's not common in the U.S., but because I'm living in China, it's common. Yeah. So yeah, I go back to the U.S. and I talk to the U.S. doctor and he's like, I show him all the charts. I show him the picture of, um, of my cervix um, that they had taken and all the documents they gave. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this. But he was like, you're in your mid-20s. Yeah this is going to go away in six months. If you're not stressed, you're going to be fine. And he was right. And so I went through all of that for, for no reason. Like if I had been in the U S I wouldn't even know they wouldn't have even tested me for it. One of the more surprising things I came across when I was writing this episode was that the HPV vaccine was developed and released in none other than China. You could attribute the low instances of HPV to that fact. 
maybe China is doing such a great job of controlling their infection rates, administering vaccines, and providing healthcare to their citizens that even the poorest corners of the nation are seeing a reduction in death, in illness, and cancer. One of the more surprising things I came across when I was researching this episode was that the HPV vaccine most commonly used in North America was developed in none other than China. Now, maybe we can attribute the low instances of HPV in China to the fact that they have more access to control the HPV through herd immunity. More access to the vaccine, more thorough preventative care could be a correlation to greater overall health. Could the communist reach have sprawled to the poorest corners of the nation and actually done what our capitalist ideologies led us to believe was only possible in the Western world. So we've got these two viruses. One is sexually transmitted. One is transmitted by saliva or through the air droplets, whichever way it is that we now believe we are spreading COVID. But beyond the transmission rates, which the media has discussed ad nauseum, if we look at the treatment, we have stark differences. The United States is showing us after two years that it's quite hands-off, and China is the opposite. When the virus first spread, nobody was allowed in, nobody was allowed out. They locked down quickly and swiftly. Yet, here we are, seeing the opposite effects on the outcomes of both of these viruses. Both nations treating consistently, or not treating, in our case, consistently. If a so-called undeveloped nation like China can get COVID under wraps in just a few short weeks, what does that say for the system in the United States of America, where after nearly two years, the coronavirus has killed more than all the soldiers that died in the American Civil War? More lives have been lost than during the AIDS epidemic. America, whatever this system is, it is clearly not working for the people. As Americans, we have access to education, knowledge, money. Even the most poverty-stricken parts of the United States pale in comparison to the corners of the undeveloped nations of the world. During a time when we're forced to be in our homes, to reflect on our lives, the United States of America is split into two. One group that believes in protecting the herd, the children, the elderly, the immunocompromised, through vaccine and masking. That's just what we've got and the other side, who feels that the infringement of their rights, the lives and health of every other human being are disposable compared to that. It isn't about principle. I know, as Americans, we are taught to fear a loss of our civil liberties, our freedoms. But if this side truly felt that they cared about people's rights so much, they would care enough to give people a fighting chance at life before even getting to the point of human rights, before even getting to that conversation. The portion of the population that refuses to grasp that their freedoms actually create a loss of freedom for others, they are the ones who are spreading this virus. They are the bosses who are telling you to come in. They are the ones perpetuating this thought. Today it's COVID, but next year it could be a completely different virus. Hear me out. Maybe freedom is about more than access to luxury. 
Maybe it's about caring for your sick neighbor's health more than you do your own health. It might mean temporarily pulling back on leisure in order to provide health care for the sick, a solid education for the underprivileged, to give underserved groups a chance to meet the same standard that the rest of us have been handed. Freedom is a tremendous access to comfort, the one we had up until the coronavirus crept into our lives. Freedom is me being able to say the word sex on this podcast and not be arrested. It's being poor and still not being completely homeless. Even on our worst days, America, we have freedom. So use it to go get STI tested. Talk to your children about how germs work. Maybe look it up for yourself. Go read a banned book. And please, just wear a mask. This has been Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. I want to say thank you so much to Kristen Van Nest for being my guest on this episode and for telling us about your experience of finding out you had HPV in China. If anyone would like to connect with Kristen, she is a very talented writer, actor, director, and so many things. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Kristen Van Nest. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-V-A-N-N-E-S-T. We hope you'll join us next week.